So I'd like to throw a huge thank you out to Hugo Award-winning Chris Garcia. Watch the video, Chris. Oh my God, that was adorable of you winning the Hugo Award. That was incredible. I love the emotion on that. I felt that. Yeah. I honestly, I felt it. I was like, that's exactly how I would feel if I were winning something so big and that I, I would I would let it out yeah. too like that. And maybe I would I would probably even, I would just collapse and sob all over the podium. <laughs> we know me. I'm an emotional mess. Absolutely. Huge thank you to the wonderful story that you wrote for us. Uh, about us yes and the, was... and, and the interview and the, the very thoughtful questions that were posed it was all just wonderful it was a dream come true it really it was really was it was just christy and i were up at 1 30 a.m going like essentially messaging each other going squee and then she would message <laughs> me back and go squee <laughs> i say squee again it was a little more intelligible than that but not much not much not much so thank you so so much chris it has been wonderful corresponding with you i really hope we stay in touch um, because having you as a fan is very much an honor to us. Absolutely. Oh gosh, I'm going to get a little teary eyed right now. It's like, oh gosh. So, <laughs> so it's like us, I just found my doppelganger. Do us a favor. Don't just check out our issue. Check out all the issues of Claims Department in the Drink Tank. Yes, that's claimsdepartment.weebly.com. And then if you want the uh, link directly to the issue that has our interview, go to our social media pages. And on those social media pages, you will find a link tree. And at the very top at this moment uh, is the interview that uh, Chris performed with us, which was wonderful. And Chris, please stay in touch. You're family now. Yes, you are family now. We should send him a sticker. We are sending him we a sticker. We are sending him a sticker. I'm getting you're, his address. You're getting a sticker. <laughs> you're getting a sticker, Chris. All right. So thank you uh, so much, Chris. We are very appreciative. Thank you again. One of the most interesting and ridiculous things about the human condition in my mind is the idea of racism. The fact that one person can be superior to the other based solely on the color of their skin is an incredible and ludicrous proposition to me. And the fact that this could drive one man to murder so many people is both startling and sad. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. It's old timey crimey. I'm Christy. Who I'm Scott. Is, uh, yeah, we're kind of falling down on the job here in places. <laughs> to be fair, we had two less days to prepare for this. That is true. Yeah, that is very very true. And um, we definitely wanted to get we wanted to get uh, a show out this week because we realized there are those amongst us that don't have families. And a lot of you guys, myself included, we rely heavily on podcasts to get us through the holidays. I know on holidays, I'll be listening to a ton of podcasts to get Mm -hmm. me through those days. No wife, no kids, no family. That's okay. I've got a 3D printer. (laughs) You can print yourself those things. That's that's even sad for me, dude. (laughs) No, no, I will not. Yeah. These are my friends. (laughs) 
How's this week been for you, buddy? Um, it's been okay. I mean, it's been brief so far. Uh, I haven't accomplished really hardly any of the things that I intended to do, and uh, I cried at therapy today. So uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. How about you? <laughs> I can't remember a therapy session that I didn't cry in. Yeah, I cry almost every time, but I somehow am still surprised because I'm like I don't necessarily plan on talking about anything heavy. Um, or I think that whatever I'm going to talk about, like I've, I've dealt with it enough that I'm I'm not going to cry. And then I, sure enough, I walk out of there with the, with the raccoon eyes and, and mascara, just blah. So, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a of a rough one. I feel like I'm still carrying that around a bit. But I I technically graduated from therapy several months ago, but I just keep it up for maintenance purposes. And I highly recommend that to anybody. Um, for me, I do it because a it's nice to have you know that that outside perspective. It's nice to have somebody to help me understand you know my feelings and my thoughts. Um, but also because I have the hardest time asking for help when I need help, when I need like, you know, like get pretty far down there and I, I need to restart therapy. It's, it's one of the most difficult things in the world for me to do it. So now if I just keep on going like every month or five weeks or so, if I find myself down that road again, which maybe with the help of like maintenance sessions, I won't, but mm-hmm. maybe I will, then I, there's therapy. It's, it's right there waiting for me. And so, yeah, just, it's kind of like my safety net, but yeah, it's just nice to have that kind of, you don't have to go every month or so, you know, or every week rather, you don't have to think of therapy as something you have to do all the time, but just doing it even occasionally, if you're, if you're feeling like you're kind of leveled out and you're okay. But I remember that whole graduating therapy session for me, uh, where it was, it was interesting we were talking somebody somebody had insulted me at work and they said and i forget who it was they said who do you think you are and then they named a character and it had bugged me it had bugged me and i couldn't figure out why it bugged me and then in the therapist goes well are you trying to act like this person are you trying to act like this person i said i don't have to act like anybody i'm scott i'll act like scott and they went I think we're done here. And I said, what, what have I insulted you too? And he goes, no, no, just you're becoming comfortable with yourself. We're good. It's we're done here. Yay. I'm sane. And they wouldn't, let's not go that far. Scott. You're just no longer a danger to yourself and others around you. Uh, some fucker that could have used a little bit of therapy. Colin Montgomery. Baker. This guy. This guy makes me pretty salty. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. He makes me so salty that as a distraction, while I was researching him, I randomly went and looked up um, Shakespearean insults. Nice. And I have a list of uh, 81 here. And every time he pisses me off, I'm going to uh, search through and try to find something to make myself feel a little bit better. Because he's just one of those people who just, he cannot abide by society's rules or have any sense of decency. And he's just, he just, yeah, he could have definitely used some therapy. So yeah. He, he was perhaps one of the most racist sons of bitches yes. that we will ever discuss. And this made me uncomfortable. This made me yeah. uncomfortable. I do most of my research at work. The gentleman, and I use that term 100%, the gentleman who I have come to know as one of my best friends, Jerome, sits right next to me. Jerome is black. And I'm doing all this research, and the N-word is flashing up on my computer <laughs> oh, so yeah. often. And I'm writing stuff down. And I went, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not even going to write down the N word. I'm not going to put N dash dash. I just, I started writing the word cheeseburger instead. (laughs) So I say anytime that the N word appears in this, 
we replace it with the word cheeseburger because I like cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers are great. So the that's what is bad. The N word is bad. And everything it represents. The N word is such a horrible word that they don't even use it in pornography. Let that sink in for just a second. And to lump a group of people like that is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I have nothing but contempt for races. Yes. If you're going to hate somebody, for the love of God, be clever enough to find something about them to hate other than the color of their skin. Yeah, yeah. It, they're, they're, humans are horrible. There's plenty to hate. Don't be uncreative about it. Yes, yes. Be more creative with your hatred. Yes. So this Cullen Baker was born June 22nd, 1835 in Weekly County, Tennessee. His father was John Baker and his mother was Elizabeth Baker. His father was a just a, a very poor farmer, not not a lot of money, but he was he was a, a, a decent sort of fellow. Yeah, yeah. He owned cattle. It's not surprising that his dad was a farmer. Uh, Weekly County at that time was uh, Tennessee's largest corn producer in the 19th oh, century. interesting. Okay. So, yeah, it's not surprising that he was a farmer because that's probably what everybody did at that time. Mm-hmm. And his uh, his family ended up moving around some in his early years, but eventually they ended up in, uh, in Davis County, Texas, where his father got a land grant of 640 acres. This is basically when there was just, you know, like so much land that they were just like, we'll, we'll, we'll just give it to you. You know, like, yeah. we'll just, they're just giving it to you. But the family was still pretty poor. He, uh, Baker got teased at school for having bare feet and threadbare homemade clothes. But don't you worry. Don't you feel sorry for him. No, no, no. <laughs> now, I do like Clarksville. Clarksville, Arkansas. And we're going to get into that little, that little area again where it, we're back in that same area. Really close to the same area as the town that dreaded sundown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Texarkana Moonlight Murderer. However, Clarksville is home of the Johnson County Peach Festival. Oh. Oh, my God. That sounds delightful. It is. Listen to listen to this. Barbershop chorus, gospel music, food, arts and crafts, street dancing, a fucking frog jumping contest. <laughs> yes, I'm there. Oh, oh, no, no, no. That's not all. Your little amphibious and reptile joys are just beginning because they also have a terrapin derby. What's a terrapin? I'm assuming it's turtle racing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a greased pig chase. Oh, my. A four-mile run, which would be hilarious if you're going to do the four-mile run, I suggest incorporating the greased pig chase into said four mile run absolutely yes yeah. yes a jam and jelly bake-off and several eating contests doesn't that just sound like the most mark twain day of your fucking life it really is. oh my god holy shit no how can you be angry with the johnson county peach festival <laughs> they have greased pig chases they have terrapin derbies they have a jam and jelly a frog jumping contest. Oh we, I, I feel like we're advertising for this. Yeah, now. really, really. They should be sponsoring us. So, um, he. Uh, okay, so back to uh, the, the terribleness that is Baker. This was uh, this was back in Texas. He starts fighting back. He uh, he he got a pistol and a rifle. I mean, they weren't very nice pistols or rifles, but they were serviceable. And he started basically tar- target practice, just you know, shooting and and practicing. And he got pretty damn good at it. 
Another thing he started was drinking whiskey at the ripe old age of 15. Because. That's it. Yes, because, because. it was there, I guess. And uh, he was always spoiling for a fight. If anybody bugged him, he would say, go for your guns. And he was just basically... He, at this point in time, he's just your standard issue douchebag, essentially. Yeah. He's just, your, you know, he, he's... he's if it were modern day, he'd probably be, you know, taking steroids and, you know, like the that asshole at the gym. Calling you know? all his friends Brosef. Yes, yes, all of his friends would be Brosef, you know, and he he would he would get in fights at the bars on Friday nights and maybe like you know go home and beat his girlfriend. Honestly, it feels like you're talking about my younger brother. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry. Really does. Now, did you? Did you come across one Morgan Culp? Yes, Morgan Culp. This thank was, you, Morgan Culp. This, yeah, thank you for at least a break. Um, this was uh, during you know the time he's Baker spending a lot of his time in saloons, and he has a fight with a man named Morgan Culp who uh, knocks him in the head with a tomahawk. Yeah, and then what, what an unusual thing to, for a white man to wield. Yes, yes, and uh, they they took him to a nearby house, and it was months before he could even leave. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he was basically like stranded there medically, and uh, and interestingly, seemed to kind of tame his demons for a little while. Life was life was a little bit quiet. Whenever he, you get hit in the head asshole. with an hatchet. It causes you to reevaluate, you know, your Apparently, situation. Apparently, at least temporarily. Because, I mean, he was being a douche. Colin was being a oh, total douche. He was yeah. waving a knife at Morgan. Morgan went, I ain't taking this. Whips out a tomahawk. Where do you hide that? Yeah. <laughs> and just right on the fucking bean. And, yeah, several months. Several months. I'm imagining... I'm imagining, like, if he's being hit in the head with a tomahawk, that's probably a frontal lobe brain injury. Yeah. And if there's... It, it's it's weird. Brain injuries tend to, like, personality-wise, it's almost like any personality the person has does a 180. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if there wasn't, like, a clot underneath there that was pressing, and then as that clot dissolved... The old tendencies came mm, back. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, we can't like medically diagnose, but but yeah. So I can. My, You've got douchitis. Not not to spoil anything, but my next section here, because uh, I've started sectioning my my research out, is called marrying Martha number one and murdering. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I did drop that G. So January eleventh, eighteen fifty four. Uh, he's nineteen years old, and he marries Martha Jane Petty. She is seventeen, and he. I mean, this is, just to put put this into context with the tomahawk injury, he still has a head bandage when they get married. So they settle into married life, and he's farming, and everything's okay for about eight months. He goes out drinking, of course, and he gets into a shouting match with uh, an orphan. <laughs> Named Stalkup. Like, it's already like, okay, this guy's a douche. An orphan. I mean... Go oh, home geez. and cry to your mama and daddy. Oh, you can't, can you? Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Baker grabs a whip and beats Stalkup almost to death. This is a horse whipping, and this is the time to break out one of my Shakespearean insults. All right. After he's beaten a, an orphan, orphan. An with orphan. a whip. You are not worth another word, else I'd call you knave. It's from All's Well That Ends Well, well for those that are curious. Um, so he uh, gets some charges laid on him. He goes to trial, and there's a witness, Wesley Bailey, who testifies against him. 
So uh, Baker ends up in jail for just a couple days. There's this really light punishment. And after he gets out, where does he go? Oh, of course. You're going to go to Wesley's house and go, you know what? I was wrong. And it, it took it took what you did to me to realize what a horrible... I'm fucking with you. He shoots him in the fucking legs with a shotgun and kills him. Yep, yep. Well, um, shoots him in the legs, leaves him lying there, and Bailey doesn't die for three more days. So that's three days of, of torture. I'm saying... I'm still saying that killed him. You know, just because well, it, it took kill, three... it, it killed him, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it took three days for the death to actually happen. Absolutely. Um, And so Baker is now officially a murderer. Uh, he has not so much brain as earwalks, says from Troilus and Christina. Well, Christy, everybody has to start somewhere, and he started with Wesley Bailey. Yes, he did. That was that was his his ground floor on his his route to being uh, the the murderinest man in uh, Arkansas and Texas. So he hightails it to Perry County, Arkansas. Bailey's son is chasing him, doesn't catch him. Some accounts say he lived with his uncle for two years. Baker's account of these two years, as I read in that, that 1966 uh, the, the article from the Arkansas Historical Quarterly, is kind of interesting. I didn't see this in any of my other research, and then it popped up in this like 12-page journal article, and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? I didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, he went into the Indian Territory, and I'm assuming that was actually the official name of the territory at that time, because uh, it was all capitalized. Ran into some trouble with a Native American, ended up killing said Native American and their traveling companion. So then he goes to Utah. Chilled with the Mormons for a little while. Became one of their quote-unquote avenging angels. who uh, They go after any Mormons who are losing their faith and any non-Mormons who upset the church and uh, kill them. Jesus Christ! I know! Pretty hardcore! Yeah, so this is actually like his own, supposedly his account, but we don't know. Like, the, the kind of guy who is, he, the kind of guy he is, a first-person account really isn't worth a whole hell of a lot. He might have just hung out at his uh, his uncle's house for those two years and just laid low, but... I, I don't I don't know about that, I, because here's the thing, on, on May 24th, 1857, That's remember, okay. he fled... At around the end of 1854, beginning of 1855, May 24th, 1857, Martha gives birth to a baby girl, Louisa Jane. Yeah. Now, was he in contact with Martha at this time? Oh, yeah, that's right. He must have... I mean, you just can't mail an envelope of sperm to somebody and expect a kid to happen. No, you really can't. He must have... But maybe Martha's not been faithful. But you, you... You would hope he would at least have enough knowledge to know that if he'd been away for two years and she's pregnant, then it's not possibly his. But who knows? He's not the brightest fellow on the planet. Um, in between all that, before that, because that's a, at some point before that, he is at his uncle's house in Arkansas. We do have him placed there. And I have two different stories here. Uh, he has an argument about horses with a guy named Wortham and stabs the guy to death. Because that's worth killing for. Exactly. Well, I like to think that it was a quarrel, not not your standard quarrel about, you know, like, oh, you money, you, you owe me money for that horse. I, I like to think that they were arguing about dressage. I, I was going to, no, a unicorn has two horns. <laughs> Did you know that, this is a weird sidetrack I went down of my please, own accord. Please, please. Um, uh, so dressage, if you've ever seen it, it's, it's the weirdest looking thing. And it's somehow also mesmerizing, but also makes you feel really sorry for the horse. It's, 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 there's a lot of conflicting emotions going on watching a dressage thing going on. Okay, you're going to have to hit me to what dressage is because what I was picturing was like the braiding of the mane. Okay, dressage is actually, it's a it's a riding 
horse's thing. Basically, the rider trains the horse and, and learns himself to uh, give make the horse do very specific things uh, without hardly any sort of like physical or verbal uh, cue. They sort of prance around and hop around on the very tips of their 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 shoes, their their feet. Okay. It is so weird looking. We'll watch a video. We'll watch a video. It is so weird looking. But and the and the rider looks like you know, like they have to be doing something to command the horse to do, you know, certain things at a certain time, but the rider looks like they're doing Nothing at all. I wonder if it's pressure with the thighs. That's entirely possible. And I'm sure that there are other things too, but that's got to be very specific, you know, like pressure and, mm -hmm. and, and years and years of training, but it's also very ridiculous to watch. And yeah, I, and I felt just, I, I was filled with very strange emotions that I didn't expect. But one thing that I learned when I, when I randomly looked up, um, randomly looked up dressage for this, not even really a joke, um, is that there's, there's some, it's a French name for you know dressage is french mm -hmm. but for some reason they have uh german names for the different things that you can make the horses do because or, or the german different skills that the, the, the horse needs or you know various things that they judge because german is the language of love is relaxation <laughs> of course it is and schwung is impulsion hit me and with the relaxation again Las Gelas and Height. Las Gelas and Height. <laughs> Could you imagine like a therapist just like you're laying on the couch and he's like, Las Gelas and Night over and over and over, three inches from your space, yes. spitting on you. Yes, relax. Yeah. Relax. So that relax. Was, that was my random trip into dressage. There's another source that's more specific as it says that he actually, Baker horsewhipped Mrs. Wortham. He just, she was staying with Baker's uncle and he was like, will uh, screw you for whatever random offense that you've given me, uh, if if any, or if it's not something he just imagined. And there was a fight, uh, and he ended up stabbing Miss, Mr. Wortham in the heart. Honestly, like, you're you're sitting here, like, and I, I've said this reminds me of my younger brother, and you said, like, offense real or imagined. This is bringing up tons of shit from my past. Wow. Um, this was about... Three weeks after my mother had a stroke and lost her sight, oh. she was bedridden, blind, fighting cancer. My brother comes down and is screaming at her because she was the one that forced him and his girlfriend to break up. And that's all in his head. That's all in his head. Yeah, of course. That's all in his head. She broke up with him because, well, quite honestly, they were both douchebags, <laughs> but they just were incompatible douchebags. But it couldn't be my fault, you know. It, yeah. He had to. He had to put the blame on somebody, so he threw it on my mom, who was fighting cancer. And the most and vulnerable blind. person, too. Yeah. Exactly. The person who's gonna have the hardest time fighting back. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So yeah, this seems like a, sort of a similar deal. Um, I'm just picturing my younger brother <laughs> each time. There's a warrant out for his arrest, but he's he's hightailed it out uh, before they can serve it. Um, so yeah, he does head back to, he goes back to Texas and then he goes, I have, he goes back to Texas. The, the murder charges are still there. They, they haven't actually vanished into thin air. And then he heads back to Arkansas again, and then he goes back to Texas. So I think it's during that time that he briefly spent back in Texas before he had to hightail it out for the, the additional murder charges that he probably got Martha, uh, pregnant. 
Um, and she does give birth to a baby girl, Louisa Jane, on May 24th, 1857. Baker takes her and the, the, the daughter back to Arkansas. Uh, she, Martha, dies on July 2nd, 1860. And basically, Baker takes Louisa to Martha's parents' house and pretty much never just sees her again. Mm-hmm. Just never, never sees his daughter again, ever. So um, Here's my semen demon. Take care of it. You know, Mr. Baker, I would like to tell you that your brain is as dry as the remainder biscuit after voyage. It's <laughs> from As You Like It. I'm enjoying these. <laughs> Some good <laughs> stuff here. And it's so random. Uh, so, yeah, he... Uh, then comes the, the, the war. The... And did you know there's a whole Wikipedia article for other names for the American Civil War? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. And, uh, I think my, my favorite, it's it's somehow manages to be both British and Southern at the same time, is calling it uh, the late unpleasantness. The late un- <laughs> the, You know, that thing where everybody was dying so that, you know, a section of people could actually be treated like human beings instead of property. Yes, that unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. April 1861, when civil the Civil War breaks out in America between the North and the South. But yeah, so November 1861, he joins up with Company G of Morgan's Regimental Cavalry. And uh, the next year, in July of 1862, he marries uh, Martha II, as I've been calling her. This guy he liked his Marthas. Um, it, it helps. It's sort of like the Johns and the Josephs with Tilly Climbeck last week. You know, it's always important to scream the right name out during sex, so it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah it really does. Um, it also makes it easier when uh, she has no clue that she's marrying a wanted killer. And uh, it also makes it uh, super gross that she was only 15. Ew. Yeah. Thou horse on Zed, thou unnecessary letter. King Lear. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm doing this gimmick. That's it fine. Makes you feel I, better. If it makes you feel better, <laughs> let's do it. I'm, I'm fine with it. He is a murderous fuck. He really is. Yes, he's an absolute murderous fuck. And he's living in a, in a time when... Um, even though some people are going to, you know, stand up and say no, a lot of people are like, you know, like, no, no, let's let's be murderous fucks with you. So, yeah, he whenever he was serving with the Confederacy and, and keep in mind, he is serving at this point in the Confederate Army. Later on, he'll kind of be outside the Confederate Army, but still yeah. working for them while he was with the Confederacy. He shot and killed at least three African-Americans in Sevier County, Tennessee. He shot a black woman in an immigrant train, which is just kind of like a pioneer camp. He pointed to her, said, I don't like her, and kills her on the spot. Yeah, yeah. She did nothing to him. He just went, I don't like her. Boom. He killed a black boy, a child, shot him six times. Mm -hmm. Human life meant absolutely nothing to this bottled spider, Richard III. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. That one's nice. I'm going to use that in my own life. Absolutely. You go for fucking it. bottled spider. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good ones. Uh, so, yeah, he is just. The authorities are looking for him. And I'm not sure if this is the same. Or it really is hard to tell sometimes when there's like tales of, of the atrocities he's committed. It was like, was that this one or that one? But he did. Um, dessert, essentially. And uh, he goes to Little Rock to hide. And at this point in time, Little Rock uh, had been seized by the Union. And he claims he's a persecuted Union man. He takes the oath of allegiance. He gets a job overseeing 
a camp of black refugees. This is literally the worst person I can think of to put in that position, aside from Hitler, maybe? My God, it's almost <laughs> like having a pedophile be a Catholic priest. Yes, really. And so obviously this job does not last long. Uh, the position really doesn't fit because one of the uh, refugees offended him. I don't know. If, okay. Refugees, former slaves, really like the, the, the status, um, if you would consider them freedmen at the time. I'm not sure. Everything was kind of hazy as to like, like Lily where everything stood. So I'm considering them refugees because they probably, you know, were emancipated and uh, escaped maybe, you know, on the underground railroad, something like that. At this point, you have to think you're, you're thinking of America as America. We know it today, but at this point you really have to think of America as here's this group of States. Oh yeah. And here's the Confederacy, which is not part of America anymore. I don't know how this I'm sorry. <laughs> I learned it in school. So very tired. <laughs> it's okay. So I am classifying them as refugees because they yeah, are escaping them, from exactly. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They're they're escaping from you know. We'll talk about it around the Patreon. Brutal horror. Exactly. One of the uh, one of the refugees uh, at the camp he was overseeing offended him, so he shot and killed the man, and of course he ends up going back to his uncle's. That seems to be his. He gravitates back towards that area. It's, it's his home base uh, since he can't go back to Texas. For my younger brother, he would always gravitate towards my older brother. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then he joins the independent rangers and i just want to say these assholes also known as the jayhawkers oh interesting i didn't see that one yes they're kind of a legal guerrilla army uh allowed by the confederacy to use quote irregular military tactics uh they were intended to pursue and capture deserters but in reality they were just legal thugs that intimidated raped and murdered people Basically, yeah, like because there's a lot of people who are, I mean, it's it's the old days. Uh, I'm sure most of the women, you know, probably weren't trained how to use a gun or how to def- defend their property. And, you know, so the men leave. And so you've got women, children and elderly folks. So that's basically it. And so they take advantage of all this to, to basically just run rampant. Um, it was basically... If, uh, if any man owned property, they automatically, the, the independent rangers automatically designated that man a union man. It's very, very convenient to tell mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, he must be a union man if he owns property. So people were um, uh, fleeing to avoid the violence and plundering. And we'll get to that in a second. But I just wanted to point out that the independent rangers had a uh, feud going with the mountain boomers. Oh, that is a delicious soda. Uh, mountain <laughs> boomer, you can get that at your local, like, Rite Aid. Uh, Mountain Boomer. It's like the 99 cent version of Mountain Dew. <laughs> the diet Mountain Boomer, though, tastes a little bit coppery. <laughs> Blood. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, and this is another guerrilla group. So you have these two groups just rampaging through Arkansas, just raping, burning shit down, pillaging. It was, um, I'm, I'm imagining a horrifying time and like i said people are fleeing in november 1864 this one group bands together to head west they want to get away from all this horrible shit the independent raiders with baker of course uh actually find them uh crossing the saline river and remember these are not strong men these are mostly old men women and children yeah people who could not uh serve uh in in the military at the time so um the settlers (sighs) I have a, a quote from the, the 
the Boyd Johnson, the Arkansas Historical Quarterly, uh, because I enjoyed the, the rhinus here. Uh, so I just wanted to source it. Before I say it, the settlers refused to come back. They, they said no, they're, and they're on their boat. And their leader, quote, demanded Baker's authority for stopping them. Baker drew his authority from its holster and shot the man dead. Yeah. I just, and well, I just really like that referring to the gun as his authority. And it also basically is like how things were at that point in time. Whoever, you know, like could shoot first or had the authority. And it's, it's really, really shitty because he then proceeds to tell the rest of them that he, he won't hurt anyone else if they just come back. And so they cross back over the river and then Baker and his rangers shoot nine more men in the group and steal all of their valuables. This is this has come to be known as the Massacre of the Saline, based on the name of the Saline River. I did some looking because I was sure that we were going to pronounce it, and from a documentary that I spent five minutes trying to find a part where they actually said the name of the river, and it's about the river, I think it's called, it's pronounced Saline. The Saline River. Just because Marvel. I know mispronunciations people get people get salty about mispronunciations about their yeah i'm not even gonna okay yes i will i'm going to try to pronounce the mountain range they were crossing oh yeah go for that i didn't look that one up watch a tea i figured we could just avoid it yeah (laughs) but but no you brought that in yeah yeah i did if we're gonna mispronounce everything we're going to do it with gusto and pride absolutely that is kind of our brand yeah (laughs) o-u-a-c-h-i-t-a now whenever baker was questioned about why he went after them the reality of it was he just wanted to rob them. That's it. Yeah. But his excuse was, well, they were they were deserting Arkansas, and that's unpatriotic. Yes, yes. So if you try to escape from the people who are burning, raping, and pillaging, you're just being unpatriotic. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's like a fucking politician. Jesus Christ. So the locals uh, started actively planning. To take these these people down, the independent rangers down. So the gang gang takes off for uh, other locales, and in late 1864, he's in uh, Spanish Bluffs, Arkansas, which I couldn't find on a map, uh, so maybe it doesn't exist anymore. And he's uh, I'm just imagining he's probably in a saloon just because it seems right. I don't think my source said that, but uh, he's wearing a Confederate hat. Four African American troops ask him for identification, and uh, he turns around and gives them his identification. Uh, No, actually, uh, I'm sorry. He shoots them, a sergeant and three soldiers, just simply for asking him for his identification. Um, uh, What the hell? I'll go with one that's a little bit, uh, a little bit incongruous. Dissembling harlot, thou art false in all. Comedy of errors. Bite my thumb at thee! <laughs> I was trying to find ones that were like appropriate for the moment, and I was like, well, I'll just call him a dissembling harlot. Oh, that works. Oh, yeah, that works. So, um, yeah, he just, he's just constantly shooting black people. He shoots other people, but mostly black people. There was, this, this was incredible. This is, uh, this is from former slave Doc Quinn, who is going to come up later. He he was a witness uh, to supposedly he was a witness to the murder, uh, you know, uh, the unfortunate end <laughs> of Colin Baker later on. But this here's the thing: former slave Doc Quinn was part of his group. He had a black man in his group. 
Human beings are tricky. Yeah. And this one, since a lot of what he did didn't really make sense, I think it's even trickier. I think you, you combine the, the head injury and the drinking, mm -hmm. and you get a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Because later on, he does some stuff that I'm like, what? I don't... I mean, it's probably good that it ended up this way, but also, what the hell? Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Doc claimed that Colin killed 53 black men at home in Arkansas. 86 at Rocky Comfort, Arkansas, 6 at Ogden, Arkansas, 6 at Temple Place, 62 at Jefferson, 100 in North Louisiana, and 73 at Marshall, Texas. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but most of the more conservative have source, sources have uh, just basically 50 to 60. But yeah. again, all, all together. But again, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. He was just... Uh, but, and then, post-war... He settles back down with, I'm calling her Martha II. That's just what's happening. Uh, Martha II in southwestern Arkansas. He gets, he goes legit for a little while. He gets a job. He man, he's managing the line ferry. Then Martha II, and he, it seemed like he really was in love with her, although it, things are about to get super weird. Um, he, uh, Martha II dies on March 1st, 1866. And he's really grieving so much that he puts up an effigy wearing her clothes. I don't think he burned it. It didn't say he burned an effigy, but I thought that was the point of an effigy. Or maybe I'm just this one one of the things you can do with an effigy. I'm saying effigy like a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah I get this the... was kind of uh, off behavior. I get the feeling, and I'm going to I'm going to preface this saying this is some of the more unusual of human behavior, but I'm not going to shit on it. Because I am, I am of the ilk. Whatever you're doing, as long as it's not hurting anyone, that's fine. But I get the feeling that if this was more the modern era, he'd be. This would be him getting a real doll. To yeah, replace, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 I think you're spot on with that. So, and but he, uh, there, there weren't real dolls around, so he basically uh, goes and chases after. Uh, Actually, there Martha were. The second. Oh, God. There were. Are they we going were... into, like, historical sex dolls? Yes, yes, we are. They they actually made I'm going to use some of these insults on you. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. You keep on talking, I'll find the right one. They used cloth uh, mannequins, and they were called Dutch wives. Oh, so instead of... That is the progression. We have the cloth sex dolls to the inflatable to the silicon and thermoplastic elastomer sex dolls of today. I scorn you, scurvy companion. That's appropriate. <laughs> I like that. Very nice. Henry IV. <laughs> so <laughs> this is this is perfect. I can use these on you too. <laughs> oh, thank you, Shakespeare. Once again, coming in clutch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, thank you for that education in historical sex dolls. I didn't know I'd be learning that today. But you never know when we record what mm -hmm. I'm going to learn. So, yeah, he goes after, because apparently he didn't feel like making one of these sex dolls. Uh, he goes after Martha II's little sister, Belle, who's only 16. And keep in mind, this is 18. Uh, actually, 16 is pretty old for him. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, but, but keeping in mind his age, he was born in 1835, it's 1866, so he at this point is 31, he's over, he's almost twice her age, and it's only either, it, sources very wildly, it's two or five months after Martha II died, which is pretty much, that's putting a pretty fine point on it, actually. We yeah. have some pretty specific dates here, which is rare, so that's that was kind of interesting, I was like, I'm writing dates down left and right. 
So she turned him down and she married this man who would really become a serious enemy of Baker's, uh, Thomas Orr. He was a school teacher, a uh, political activist, and he also, he had a, um, it's worth, worth noting because of how uh, Baker treated him, he had a deformed hand. Um, uh, normally that wouldn't be part of somebody's identity, but uh, I, I'm imagining that when Baker went down to the school where Orr taught and verbally harassed him in front of the students, that he probably made use of that particular tidbit. He, he also hit him on the head with a tree limb. He constantly tried to f pick fights with him, uh, and he at one point beat him unconscious. So, um, um, would thou wert clean enough to spit upon Mr. Baker? I will say this. I Thomas Orr is a hero of mine. Yes, I like yes. Thomas Orr. I like Thomas Orr too, although his name sounds like he's a, a like you know, a newly discovered type of dinosaur. Yeah. The Thomas Orr. <laughs> the mighty Thomas Orr. The mighty Thomas Orr. So this uh during this time period, reconstruction is going on. And Baker is not on board with this idea of, oh, you know, like black people are equal and don't have to be owned by white people. He's not, he's not really thrilled with this. Uh, so he starts another gang with a man named Lee Rames, who is an outlaw. And they operate, they operated around Bright Star, Arkansas, which is actually a fantastic name for a place. I love that name. Bright Star. It's uh, they're actually in the Sulphur River bottom. Yes. Bright Star is 20 minutes away from Falk, Arkansas, which is very close to our former one of our former shows, the uh, the Texarkana Moonlight Murder, mm -hmm. and also home to one of my favorite movies, The Legend of Boggy Creek, oh, which yes. is a documentary about a Bigfoot that lives in Falk, Arkansas. I hope it scared them. <laughs> I hope it scared them, too. This episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Best Fiends. So, Scott, you know I love true crime. I feel like we wouldn't be here if that weren't the case. Very true. But even I need the occasional break. So when I've been researching like crazy and my brain just feels like jello, I play some best fiends. It's challenging, but not frustrating. You know how much I love putting together our cases each week, seeing all the characters come together, seeing how the storyline plays out, and Best Fiends has these cute little characters you find along the way, a fun story, and new challenges and updates monthly. But no one gets murdered. It's just playing puzzles and powering up your bugs so they can fight the mean old slugs. So what level are you on? 75 right now, and I even got Jackson in on the fun. I think he's somewhere around level 40. And we were just the other day talking about what characters we've collected and how we should use them on each level. And you don't even need the internet to play, so he can even play when he's off doing businessy travel stuff, and I can play while I'm waiting for my allergy shot every week. So wait, you don't need the internet to play this? You don't need the internet. Oh, that is wonderful, because I can't count the number of times, especially living here in rural Pennsylvania, that... It's just no internet service whatsoever. That yeah. is genius. Yeah, yeah, you don't need it. You can just go ahead and whip your, your, your phone or your tablet out and play away. Fantastic. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. <laughs> Thank you.
Um, so there was this gang, robbery, murder, the usual. They would ambush people. They would shoot people in the back, you know, basically being uh, as, as cowardly as possible. And here's the weird thing. Baker and his men are regarded as a hero by some because they oppose the federal occupation. But in reality, they were actually merciless and killed anyone who disagreed with them. The the people that they killed, most were shot in the back with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And they almost always outnumbered their victims. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Baker, thou lump of foul deformity. Uh, I feel that one shouldn't be used because Thomas. Ow. See? See? How's it feel with the whole Romani thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm still going to cross it out. Um, Fine. He was pigeon-livered and lacked gall. Hamlet. Slightly paraphrased. Okay. So, um, so yeah, this was not really great uh, behavior on their part, although, you know, it was nothing um, that we haven't come to expect. So, yeah, uh, this gang killed at least 30 people, and that's an at least. You know when there's an at least and there's a gang, there's stuff that people don't know. And mm-hmm. So, Lee Rames' brother, Seth Rames, got killed by a guy named John Salmon. John Salmons. So, I'm just imagining it's... it's pronounced like the fish absolutely my best guess i'm imagining more than that i'm picturing like a styrofoam body with a huge glass bowl and a fish inside of it i'm john salmon that's john salmon's so baker takes the gang to texas and they kill salmon's um they go to a settlement of freed slaves and he says to them go to this plantation and and work I don't know if it was his plantation or if somebody asked him to do this or if he was just being being kind of loony uh, they say no, so he shoots a bunch of them. His wits as thick as a Tewksbury mustard. Hmm. Henry Four again. So, I don't know what a Tewksbury mustard is. But Neither do I, but I bet it's thick. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, I bet it is thick. Like, it's like pink thick. I bet it's good with like summer sausage and like cheese. A, a, a Sophia Verga. I haven't eaten, eaten since breakfast. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I got I got some waiting for me after we're done here. But yeah, now I'm thinking about food, so I'm talking about food. So uh, then, oh my goodness, it just starts to get exhausting. The just list of things that he does. Uh, other people that he kills. Uh, there was a posse member, uh, a posse that was searching for him, uh, and it, one of the members, George W. Barron, he killed him. There was John Rowden, who was the proprietor of a general store, and Baker basically came in, stole from him. Rowden came and found him and was like, hey, pay up. And Baker was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then actually went and killed the guy. Yeah, I I was very tired whenever I wrote that note. I put down here, John Rowden fronts uh, Colin Baker at his uh, with a shotgun at Colin Baker's house. Not horse, because I almost <laughs> wrote, I, I was like, for some reason, I was picturing him on his horse, and it was like, not not his horse, it's his house. Mm. Mr. Baker, mm-hmm. thy sin's not accidental, but a trade. Ooh. Measure for measure. There it is. We're, we're hitting them all. <laughs> this, this is the weirdest, stupidest thing I've ever done, and yet I'm enjoying the hell out of it. You, you go it's right ahead. It's so fun. You have your fun. I might do this every week, and then nobody will listen to us, because it's all, all me reciting Shakespearean insults. I literally have a coffee mug my sister got me that is Shakespearean insults. They, they exist. If you're interested, you should go like look for one. And that, the, the, the literary person in your life... Find them and give them that for Christmas. It, it's delightful. So uh, he's 
goes back to Arkansas because now, of course, he's he's got the law after him yet again, or just constantly, basically. And there's a Union sergeant who recognizes him when he's getting on the ferry. He kills the sergeant, and then a private reports the murder. So now the Union forces are after him. So he already had local, you know, and some Confederate, maybe, possibly, at this point, I'm not sure yet. Um, but then Union forces are after him as well. He... As we said, like, you know, like, there are lots of still Confederate sympathizers, and they would take him in, they would give him food and shelter, and he'd hide in the Sulphur River Swamp. And in a couple of places, I saw him referred to as the Sulphur River Swamp Fox. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, He would basically, he would escape by getting the best guns money could buy, uh, changing horses as, as frequently as possible. And sometimes, depending on what he was up to, he had forces ranging from 15 to 100 men. I mean, he would he would have just gather up men to, to do, uh, you know, like various dirty deeds around the area. They called in troops from around the country to pursue him. Like all various troops stationed elsewhere were like, uh, you got to come find this Baker guy because he's, he's raising all sorts of hell. And so then we get to uh, W.G. Kirkman. Um, uh, on July 25th, 1867, he uh, is a reconstruction official, and he's on Baker's tail. He finds him in Boston, Texas. This turns into a gunfight. Baker ends up shot in the arm, which is like the first time aside since the tomahawk that we actually see him injured in any way. New Boston, Texas, by the way. New Boston? Okay, so I saw it one place as Boston and one place as New Boston, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm well, going to go with Boston. I was just throwing a little asterisk here, a little footnote. Childhood mm. home of rapper Devin the Dude. Oh, I do not know who that is. Neither do I, I but I like throwing little trivia bits in there. Yeah, it's good to have little trivia There's bits. Somebody is going to listen to this going like, no way, Devin the Dude's <laughs> from New Boston, Texas? Who and where? <laughs> Which is the same place where Baker got shot in the arm and also killed Private Albert E. Titus. Um, he escapes, and now there's a $1,000 reward on his head. That's $17,388 in modern money. And he's wanted, dead or alive, insert melancholy guitar riff here. Diddling. I bet he did, in fact, uh, tell uh, what day it was by the bottle that he drank. Jeez, that's a deep cut. It's fun, Jovi. It's not that deep. Damn. It's a little deep. I, it's because I've always been befuddled by that lyric. I'm like, but how? Is it like Monday is gin day and Tuesday is whiskey day? Mm-hmm. Is that how it is? Because that seems awfully organized for somebody who's like on the run. And uh, it's it's a whole big logic question for me. So I have, I have I could go into a whole thing about that, but I'm not going to go into the illogic of Bon Jovi lyrics on old-timey crime. Maybe we'll have to make that a Patreon exclusive. Yes, absolutely. I'll just rant about what the fuck that line means. We'll get it in your classroom up at the college and you in front of the blackboard with like a, a Venn diagram. Absolutely, yes. So... Uh, on Christmas Day, 1867, uh, he's back in uh, Bright Star, Arkansas, and there's a man named Hal Smith who had a farm and had hired some freed slaves. That made him not popular. Not popular in this area at all, and so Baker and his compadres, they drank a bunch of whiskey, several gallons, and then they went off for a little Christmas Day festivity, raiding the farm. One of Smith's daughters is stabbed, another is clubbed, uh, one black man is shot and killed, some of the raiders are injured, uh, Smith puts up a fight, Baker gets shot in the leg, Smith is killed, it's just a whole big mess. And Merry to- Christmas, everyone! Yes. To him, I have to say... Here it comes. Brace yourselves. 
That trunk of humors, that bolting hutch of beastliness, that swollen parcel of dropsies. Yeah. That huge bombard of sack, that stuffed cloak bag of guts, that roasted manning tree ox with putting in his belly, that reverend vice, that gray iniquity, that father ruffian, that vanity in years. Henry Four. That was a long one. I know, right? It was like yeah. four lines. <laughs> it's in the. It, it, uh, I got this from litchart.com, uh, the, this list of, of over 80. Uh, Shakespearean insults, and this is the section that they labeled defies categorization. <laughs> I was like, ooh, those are going to be fun. <laughs> so, uh, ooh, I see one I want to use later. Uh, I've got to be prepared. <laughs> ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of perfect. So, um, I was just picturing you, like, driving down the road, somebody cuts you off, and you, like, have to pull over, and, like, okay, and cross-reference, you are, oh! <laughs> I absolutely would. And then I would also, you know, reference uh, act and scene. So uh, then we get back to uh, W.G. Kirkman. Baker corners him. So this was like a back and forth kind of thing. You know, like Kirkman would find Baker. Baker would find Kirkman. Our dance of death begins again. Yes, pretty I much. I don't think that they probably said that. I, I, I doubt you, it. You, cheeseburger lover. <laughs> yeah. We're not using that. We're using the word cheeseburger in place of other things. So, uh, it's October 7th, 1868. Baker corners Kirkman in his office early one morning. He, uh, he has three accomplices with him. They shoot Kirkman 16 times before Kirkman manages to get one shot off and then falls over dead. That's <sighs> what happens when you get shot 16 times and you're not Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm amazed he was able to get one shot off yeah. after those 16 uh, also in October of that year, they kill Baker and his some of his gang. They kill Major P.J. Andrews, Lieutenant H.F. Will Willis, and, of course, an unnamed black man. Why does everybody else get names, you know? you know, And, and most of the time it's like three black men. And I understand it was the era. It was post, Can, you know, like, like post-slavery and everything. But it, it still is just, it doesn't make it less um, I, disgusting, I, I guess. I think the reason may not be what you think it is. Now, now, it is tinged with racism. It is tinged with racism. Imagine that you have, like, a, you're black, you have a family, and a member of that family gets killed, and you know that there is this Colin Baker out there mm -hmm. who is just murderous, going after everyone. Are you going to identify the body and put the rest of your family in danger? I mean... I don't know that identifying the body would put the rest of your family in danger. And I might risk it to be able to put my loved one at rest, you know, and, and, and make sure that they had a, at least a, a name after death and, and weren't just, you know, like uh, flunky number two on the on the credits list of, yeah. of the, the bullshit that Cullen Baker has done. Um, not flunky number two in this case. It would be victim. Yeah. Uh, I was just going for like random names of people in, you know, right. scenes. But uh, but I kind of I thought about that. And it was like, I mean, if Doc Quinn's accounts are true, mm -hmm. we have what is essentially like a Jason Voorhees that goes after black people. You know, mm -hmm. if if he's killing like, like what Doc, Doc Quinn said, what was it? A hundred black people? In one go in North Louisiana, 86 at Rocky Comfort, Arkansas, in See, one clip? here's the thing. 
with how long it took to load guns, and I know he had a bunch of them, but still, it just seems like it, wasn't, it defies it, plausibility. It wasn't one man, though, doing this. Whenever Doc Quinn was with him, he was with him with the uh, with his gang. And see, that, and that's another thing, is like we can say, all right, so yes, he was the leader of this gang, so do we attribute those deaths to him or not? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We attribute, each death gets attributed to each person of that gang. It's uh, it's the same as like if a drunk drive, if two people are drunk in a car, one's driving and one's the passenger, and they hit and kill somebody. The law says you both killed that person. The mm -hmm. passenger and the driver killed that person. Okay. Um, because it is your responsibility, you know, to stop the other person or not go with him, to not be in that situation with him. So yes, we do attribute them uh, that to them. And here's the thing. It's like it. How long it takes to reload guns? We're in the era of the six shooter. Yeah. So I mean, if you've got two six shooters, that's twelve shots that you can pull off. We're not talking muskets where it's like one minute between shots. It's you know you can do some pretty quick stuff. I mean, and he you even said he's buying the most expensive guns out there. Gatling guns are a thing at this point. Like like belt-fed weapons are are a thing. And there are cases where where gangs would have like one Gatling gun to use amongst them to wipe out a huge amount of people. The, the, the shared gun, the yeah. the communal gun. The communal gun. <laughs> uh there's a one of my favorite westerns, one of my favorite westerns, uh The Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, it opens with uh, a group of men slaughtering an entire other group of men. Although we should note with that a we, Gatling gun. we don't know that they had a Gatling right, because he was right. not found with one. Right. This is rampant speculation. Rampant speculation. So, okay, back to it. Um, I mean, we were actually still on it. Yes. But we were just discussing it. Uh, so, uh, at uh, he. He then goes to Mrs. Sarah Taylor's plantation, and he kills several freed slaves there. I'm going to have to uh, make this one singular instead of plural. plural. Horse-son caterpillar, bacon-fed knave. Henry IV again. Lots of insults in Henry IV. Interesting. Um, Henry was a dick. Yeah, yeah, he was. So then the uh, governor of Arkansas, Governor Clayton, he sets the militia after him, which didn't really have the intended effect of necessarily catching Baker. Uh, it basically just ends up, it, it seems to actually turn people against uh, the governor and uh, because the militia seems to cause more trouble than they solve. And uh, in, in I think they're a little a little too freewheeling, a little too close to the, uh, the, the style of the independent mm -hmm. rangers in their behavior yeah. so after the you know basically militia is set out after him baker goes to a plantation pretending to be a federal officer searching for one cullen baker uh wow disguise equals a hundred that's very nice <laughs> know, right yeah several freed slaves offer their help and this sort of damocles is just hanging over their heads mm -hmm. and the scissors are about to come out um so uh, Baker takes them to his men who shoot and kill six of them and several others are wounded. Villain, I have done thy mother. Ooh. Titus Andronicus. Really? <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare said, I fucked your mother. <laughs> Titus Andronicus is a little uh, rough to read, too. I, I haven't read that one yet. I'll have to you check that out. Try, yeah. um, so, like I say, it's rough and you're like, oh, yes, I should. So, um, they... Uh, 
he gathers a force of 150 men. Baker does with the promise that they'll, you know, he's like, oh, we're going to drive Governor Clayton and his militia out of the state. Um, and uh, they promptly turn tail and go home. And Baker, in his usual madcap fashion, is like, but let's go to Texas. <laughs> They're like, we can't drive him out of the state from another state. You're driving us out of the state. What the hell? So they just turn around and go home. And yeah, we have um, we have his his gang starting to turn on him. Lee Rames in December 1868, he's starting to think, maybe this guy's not such a great leader. So he gets a little mutiny going on. And everyone sides with Rames except Dummy mm-hmm. Kirby. Which yeah. I'm like, when the one guy who's siding with you is nicknamed Dummy, I don't even care if people are being ironic with it or something. That's not great. No, no, it's not. Uh in January of 1869, Colin Baker and Kirby ride to Bloomberg, Texas to Colin's in-laws. And this is where... Yes, yes, this is where it happens. Now, I read several different accounts of this. The mo- most specific one is what I'm going with, um, which was from that like 1966 journal article. So we'll, we'll see what, what you have that's different okay. because some of the accounts I read were pretty vague. So I wanted to go with the most specific. Um, so they go to their in-laws, as you said, the, he tears the door off the hinges and Thomas Orr is there because he's, he's living, you know, he's married to their daughter, right? Belle Foster. Um, so Baker captures Thomas Orr and Belle Foster. The next day he hangs Orr, but he has another hanging coming up and he needs the rope for that. So thinking that Orr is dead, he cuts him down to get the rope and heads off, I guess, to hang someone else, and then Orr makes it out alive. Um, and Bell Foster is released the next day after that. Um, he's still, you know, now he Baker's like, crap, he's still alive because he he finds out. So he goes out back to the Foster house, and Orr goes and hides in the woods. And then um, the version that seemed to be uh, basically the the most likely. Uh, or gets a few men to help him out. They track down Baker and Kirby, who are drunk as hell, so probably not hard to track. Passed out also. They basically shoot them both to death. But then there was another version with uh, the father-in-law and Strychnine. Yeah, they laced a bottle of whiskey with Strychnine, and uh, Colin and Kirby drink, and they die. And the father-in-law friends, just to make sure, shoot the bodies several times. Yeah, yeah. So a couple different uh, accounts of how it happened. Very, very different accounts, you know? There, There's what I want to have happened, and then there's what I believe happened. Happened. I want Thomas Orr to have been hanged but survived, because that makes him a, a badass with a deformed hand, which is even more awesome than a regular <laughs> badass, in my opinion. And I want him to take his revenge and then run off with the woman that Colin wanted, mm-hmm. and I want that. However, I would have fucking poisoned them. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, you're, you've got somebody who has killed at least 30, upwards of 300 people. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking poisoning them and taking the easy route out. I'm poisoning them and then shooting them. Yeah, yeah. And it could have even been, um, I mean, like we said, we, we know that the bodies had uh, a lot of bullet holes in them. It could have been the father-in-law poisoned them. And then, you know, like once they passed out, like they maybe they weren't even dead yet, but he was like, you know, hey, you know. Just go ahead and shoot him up now. It's it's time. So it could have been a combination of the two stories, uh, and and and, and they're conspiring together. Found on his oh, uh, now that he's dead, I can say 
Baker, thou art unfit for any place but hell. Ooh, I like that. Now, there was a former slave, once again, the infamous Doc Quinn, uh, who was a possible witness. I am going to read this out. I'm going to read this as it was written in the book. Okay. I am going to edit out the N-words. Like, um, now as you're reading? Now as I'm reading. Okay, I wanted to make sure that we weren't, like, saying the N-words on Twitch. I am not going to do the step and fetch it accent. I'm just going to read this as it was written. Because, I mean, it is ridiculously and racistly written. Okay. He was my friend as long as he lived. And he was a good friend of day south because he saved lots of white folks from de-wrath of demean cheeseburgers. This is a freed slave, Doc Quinn, talking. I saw Colonel Baker killed. We had just arrived at his father-in-law's house, and I was in the horse lot about 50 yards from D House when Joe Davis, Thomas Orr, and some men rode up. D Colonel was standing by D Chimney and did not see them coming around D House. They killed him before he knew they was around. Yeah, that like writing in the accent or some whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it is so it's racist so horrible and just and it, it it's it's also so smug and condescending. Yeah. yeah. Now here's the thing though, I doubt Doc Quinn severely. I think he's a storyteller. I don't think he was actually there. See, all along, you were telling me these things from Doc Quinn, and I'm yeah. like, I say, I don't believe you, I don't believe you, I don't believe you. And <laughs> I don't, here's the thing. And all along, I'm, you didn't believe it. I'm going you to report it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, the numbers are not jiving correctly. And the thing that really hit me here He's a witness to this, right? Mm-hmm. First off, he's a black man. He was saying he rode with with Colin Baker. Come on. Yeah, that doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem likely. Did, did something seem missing? Where the fuck was Kirby in all this story? Oh, he yeah. never mentions Kirby, who shows up in every other account. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So once again, that's why I think the poisoning is what happened. I think that this is just this is just bullshit right here. I think this is just some guy saying, you know, and we have it all. How many people have confessed to being the shooter of JFK? Can I see it the way it's written? Absolutely. You're like, no. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going for the weights. Oh, yeah. And yes, I even wrote the word cheeseburger down. <laughs> and see, but see, this is different from the story where they tracked him down and he was uh, he was sleeping or passed out drunk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um. I definitely I I feel like that the first one that I told feels the strongest to me. Um. And that's it, also what you you want to believe. So we can just we can just make that the truth, right? Uh, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's that's what we do. That's, that's welcome that's to history. Job. Yeah. Welcome to history. So. Uh, found on Baker's corpse. You're going to have so much editing to do. That's okay. Um, That's all right. A shotgun, four revolvers, three Derringers, six knives, and a copy of the Louisville Courier Journal from December 16th, 1868, with the following tidbit circled. Cullen M. Baker, the Arkansas brigand, and his band have left the state to join the Cuban expedition. If Clayton's militia could be induced to go to Cuba, Halifax, or someplace else, the state would enjoy peace and prosperity. 
I like Cuba, Halifax, just randomly throw that in there. Like just like Newfoundland, <laughs> British Columbia, maybe. I hear Tahiti's very nice. Try Wales. Um, so, and the body is actually put on public display at the Jefferson Army outpost. Or might have grabbed himself up some of that reward money, and uh, who can blame him? Yeah. Whether he did it or not. Uh, Baker is buried in Jefferson, Texas, and his grave marker has the cavalry unit that he deserted on it. Now, the city of Bloomsburg, every year, commemorates the event with the annual Jesus fucking Christ, I'm not kidding, Oh boy, Colin Baker County Fair. What? Mm-hmm. To this day. I need to put my head down. You can go to the Colin Baker County Fair, see bands, get a fried apple pie. They're climbing walls, inflatable slides, face painting, dunking bats, and you can lock somebody up in jail. So they took a guy who was super racist mm -hmm. and killed a bunch of black people, and they made a fair about him. Yeah, yeah. Well, just wait until you see my Charles Manson Memorial Carnival. <laughs> You're really going to enjoy the Ted Bundy Funhouse. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Jeffrey Dahmer Steakhouse. Stay the fuck away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm not kidding. Hitler's pizzeria. Oh, sorry, I was just trying to come up with one more. I was like, I, I guess Oven Hitler's my go-to. Oh, no, no, you, no. You took it there. You took it there. Shit, I didn't mean to. You know I always do that by accident. Whenever it's, anything is even remotely upon, it's never on purpose. And, and especially horrible ones like that. Thank Eey. you. So um, I might edit that out. I'll probably leave it in. I don't care. Oh, no, that's terrible. Um, that is absolutely, but no, that's terrible. The fact yeah. that they have a fucking festival. I, okay, to this town, I got to find one that actually can suit a town, maybe? We'll, we'll see if I can find something. I'll, I'll see if it doesn't take me forever. While she's doing that, I do want to point out that uh, Wild West author Louis L'Amour wrote about Colin Baker in several books, but he was kind of like a side character until uh, the Louis L'Amour novel, The First Fast Draw. Which was a highly fictional account of Colin Baker's uh, life. And you found it, didn't you? I just found one that's, it ends very strangely. Um, I'll say this to the person whose idea it was to okay. do the, the Colin Baker affair. You scullion, you rampallion, you fustalarian, I'll tickle your catastrophe! <laughs> Ooh. Like, how do you tickle it? Okay. It's been a little while since I had my catastrophe tickled. It, it could be enough fun. Henry IV again. <laughs> uh, I will also call them a bloody body villain, remorseless, treacherous, lecherous, kindless villain, Hamlet. Ooh. You gotta go to the Hamlet, so. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he did have a, a loose... Uh, Loose inspiration for that novel, and that's pretty much um, it for that that son of a bitch. Yeah, to go to the modern insults, and yeah. I'm I'm happy to be done with him. Yeah, me too. This was this was an eye opening one for me. It really this, was. I had no idea, and and the thing is, is that I was like, uh, maybe I'll listen to a podcast about it. Can't. There aren't any. Yeah, yeah, and it was. To see him kind of still celebrated to this day was the big stunner for me. And he was a fucking serial killer. Yeah. He was a... Like, let, let's not put this as, as anything but what it was. He was a serial killer who generally targeted black people. He, it just so happened that he was doing it during a time of war... Yeah, during and, and also during like after the war a lot of upheaval mm -hmm. and when, when the, the racism was still heavy as hell yeah. and, and you know, basically 
destroying lives everywhere. Oh, God. L- let's face oh. it. Uh, Mengele? Mm-hmm. Uh, Josef Mengele, the, the Nazi doctor? Serial killer. Yeah. He just happened to do it at a time whenever it was okay. Uh, where serial killing was, the entire government was being run by serial killers. Yeah. Um, Saddam Hussein's sons. In some sons. of those cases, I'd say even we can get to mass murderer. Yeah. I think I think once you hit a certain threshold, I'm not sure what the threshold is, but there has to be a threshold between between serial killer and mass murderer. And I honestly, I think sometimes this, the 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 threshold is uh, some sort of act of terror or done by the government yeah. because those are the two that have the capacity to really do a, a lot of damage. But I mean like Saddam Hussein and his sons Uday and Kusay. Mm-hmm. Serial killers. They had a fucking dungeon oh, yeah. where they would personally murder people in that dungeon. Ooh, could be considered maybe serial killers and mass murderers. Yeah. 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 So, I yeah. say that with such enthusiasm like, "Ooh, no, that's well, disgusting. No, that's horrifying." No, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's interesting at the same time. I, I think what it is it's not it's not a fascination with the subject it's oh it's the realization yeah. of yes it can be this thing and that thing at the same time yeah this, this this these circles can you know we have something we can put in the Venn diagram that right. is you know like mass murder and serial killer we have something that can go in the middle part exactly exactly it's several someones so i'm glad he's fucking dead mhm may As he am I. not rest in peace may he may he be uh, poked in the ass with uh a pitchfork that uh, is tipped in, let's say, acid. Wow, Shakespeare said that? No, no, that was me. That was okay. me. Okay. Because uh, he was a horse son, obscene, greasy tallow catch. Oh, I one like more for that the road, one. Henry IV. What's up for this week, buddy? Um, I mean Thanksgiving, uh, and uh, we're going to uh, the in-laws for Thanksgiving, uh, so that'll be fun. Turkey, um, and. Then just uh, doing a lot of work, trying to get that caught up on scored before the break ends. It's going to be pretty, pretty rough. How about you? Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm thinking about taking tomorrow and Thursday off. Hmm. I'm definitely taking Thursday off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I'll take tomorrow off too because I've been working pretty hard. Um, I'm depending on what's going on. I may get Chinese alone. My friend May might go to Chinese with me. She hasn't decided yet. She, she said she'd let me know. Um, my friend Rob invited me over for Thanksgiving at his place. I'll probably make an appearance there. I like Chinese for Thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, the first year that my mom was fighting cancer, she, she fought cancer for two years. So the first Thanksgiving, uh, it was a thing where nobody was coming over. My sister wasn't going to come over to my mom's place for Thanksgiving. My younger brother wasn't going to come over. My older brother wasn't going to come over. And my mom was stressing out about what were, how was she going to cook Thanksgiving dinner? Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, how about we do this? Let's, because uh, she's there going like, I don't know how I'm going to make everything. I don't know how I'm going to clean up. I don't know how just the two of us are going to do this. And I said, how about we do this? Let's take $20 and we'll go down to the Chinese buffet. They're going to have turkey. They're going to have mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese, stuffing, everything there. Mm-hmm. We'll go. I'll go get the food for you. You tell me what you want. I will go get it for you. And we won't have to cook. We won't have a single dish to clean. Mm-hmm. We won't have to put away leftovers. So it was her, my niece, me, and then a family friend of hers who had lost her husband about a year before mm-hmm. that. And her daughter. We all went. We sat at this Chinese restaurant for four hours. 
and just had the best Thanksgiving dinner ever. And it was really nice. So after that, you know, Chinese for Thanksgiving has kind of become my thing. So it's a really lovely memory. Yeah, it really is. And it I like really it when is. traditions are are born out of out of necessity like yeah. that, you know, uh, and and it sort of makes it makes it fun it does it does it absolutely does so there's probably going to be some chinese food in my future in the next coming couple of days so all right um don't forget about uh come take a look at our patreon just go to patreon google old timey crimey you'll find us there yeah and uh so we have our mini crimeys there those are uh 20 to 30 uh minute episodes we're putting up uh every every so often and so you can take a look uh we've done a, a a couple good ones. Uh, we, well, they're all good, I, mm-hmm. I must say. Um, but uh, but there's some really good stuff coming coming down the pipeline over there, so you can have some extra content. And there's also other bonuses in in the in the tiers. So check it out. See what's there. It's all the horror, <laughs> cringiness, and uncomfortableness of a regular old timey crimey, but condensed down to 20 minutes. Yeah, we really we really pack it all into that 20 minutes. And so, yeah, there's other bonuses there. If you're not the monthly, um, you know, type, then you can just be a, a one-night stand uh, over on the, Send us uh, uh, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com on PayPal. I feel so used. We also have our oldtimeycrimey Amazon wish list, which uh, is, is in the links on our various social media profiles. Those are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. So follow us there on, and maybe uh, buy us a book if you want. And, and you can determine uh, what episode we do. And, and it, it'll be a, a serious one. because Well, not serious, serious, but it'll be a deep dive. Uh, so it'll be hardcore. So, so yeah, I think that's everything. I think I hit all the points. I think so. It's always a challenge every week. So <laughs> We're going to have a little poster eventually here. <laughs> Here's everything we have to mention. That would be perfect. Or I could just get a post-it note and put it right here. <laughs> But so yeah, that uh, that has been our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is actually going to come out after Thanksgiving, but I hope you all had a wonderful one, and uh, we will have a wonderful one too. So uh, thanks for being here. Take care. See ya. Bye. My sources this week are an article by Kathy Weiser Alexander on Legends of America, an article by Bill O'Neill on History Net. And an article by Boyd W. Johnson, uh, this was my 1966 reading, from the Arkansas Historical Quarterly. Oh, get ready for this. <laughs> my sources are wikipedia.org, genealogy.com, the book Ten Deadly Texans by Den Anderson and Lawrence J. Yadon, tomrizzo.com, in2013dollars.com, fairsandfestivals.net, and deep breath. This is a long-ass book title. Slave Narratives, a folk history of slave narratives in the United States from interviews with former slaves, Arkansas Narratives, Part 6, by the Federal Writers Project of the Works Progress Administration for the State of Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And don't mind me, I'm just trying to find where my pages went because I have two sets of pages going on because of my stupid insult thing that I decided to do, and now it's getting all kinds of confusing. Okay, there's going to be so much shuffling of pages. You got one of those Shakespeare insults in there for yourself there? (laughs) Yeah, I've got a couple. (laughs) Uh, That were at the cap of all the fools, and I'm pointing at me. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) Self-deprecation. Awesome. Self-deprecation five.